Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Jesus gives us basically three things that we can break down in these two verses. One, he says we're going to learn a parable. Number two, he says that parable is going to be a fig tree that puts forth leaves. And then number three, He says, when this happens, you'll know all these things have been fulfilled. But what things? All of the things that we have read about, even toward the end of Matthew 23, all the way through Matthew 24, up until now, this point in time in the the context of the passage, it's all of those things. So that's all these things. It's all the stuff, basically, that's going to come to pass during Daniel's 70th week. And in verse number eight, look what we have. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. You can say that this seven year period is basically broken down. You have the beginning of sorrows, three and a half years. You have the midway point. Then you have this period where there's going to be great tribulation. That'll be the the, the second Half, if you will, we see that in verse number 21, for then shall be great tribulation. We preached on all those verses already, but what we don't see here and what I don't believe can be applied here in verses 32 uh, and 33 is we don't see God. We see the mention of the beginning of sorrows. We see what's going to come to pass. We see the great tribulation, but we don't see is the nation of Israel specifically mentioned becoming a nation here. We see that things are going to happen. But we don't see Israel becoming a nation spoken of specifically here. But we know this is Jewish in nature. We know this is for the nation, and God's going to turn back to that. We greatly have exhausted those thoughts. But what we do see here that's new is it says, now learn a parable. And a parable basically is you're going to compare to or against something or or someone. And Let's go back to Psalms because I'd like to look at two verses in Psalms because the Bible calls a parable or defines it, I guess you could say, as a dark saying. So let's look at that. Get Psalm 49 and Psalms 78. In Psalms 49, Look at verse number four, Psalm 49, verse four. I will incline my ear to a parable. I will open up, here it is, my dark saying upon the heart. It's a comparison by story. That's what a parable is. And something dark needs to be illustrated. And that's what a parable does. It brings light by way of illustration. Look what it says in verse four. I will incline mine ear. So you got 
when you're when, when Jesus is speaking in a parable, you've got to kind of lean your ear in. You've got to listen really, really close so that you can get the illustration and the understanding. And he says, when we look at Psalms 48 or 49, verse four, we see that if you do that, what does he say in the second half of the verse? You incline your ear. He says, I will open my dark saying upon the heart. In other words, you get your ear nice and close. If you do that, you incline your ear, then God will open up and he will explain. You'll get it. And it says upon the heart. Well, David played the heart. He uh, refreshed Saul and the evil spirit departed Saul. Um, Paul and Silas uh, in, in the book of Acts, they were singing praises unto God when they were in jail. And then the next thing you know, people, what must I do to be saved? You know, the Philippian jailer, we know the story. It was soothing. It was something was going on with the with the harp, with the song, with the music, with the singing that helped people connect the dots and get closer to God. We, we do that with music when we sing praises to God. It helps us get our minds and our hearts prepared for God's word. Song and music, it does refresh our mind. And sometimes it refreshes it so much, it allows us to kind of calm down so we can get a fresh perspective from God's word. Look at Psalm 78. Look at that verse. Psalm 78. Verse 1, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. We see that reinforced again, this giving of your ear that's leaning in, if you will. And it says in verse two, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter, we see the saying again, dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. A person that's in the dark is typically clueless about something. You've said this saying, or you've heard it said before. Man, that person, they're just in the dark. They've got no idea. They're just in the dark about the whole thing. They're clueless. But here in Psalm 78, it's taking a past experience. You see where it says, I will utter dark sayings of old? Well, it's what had happened in the past. It's, it's old. It's past. It's, and I'm going there to help you see something Anew. And here, at least in Psalm 78, we see the graciousness of God all the way from Egypt now to David, all that God has done. Look at verse number verse number four um, in the middle of the verse, showing to the generations to come the praise of the Lord and his strength. And here it is. And his wonderful works that he hath done. It's a looking back. To glean some light so you can use that as the illustration to help connect the dots on how gracious God is. Look at verse 7. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Well, so what is it tied to? Well, keeping of commandments is tied to, at least here, we're going to look back. 
Let's not forget what God has done. And now that should help you illustrate or that should help you connect the dots in that illustration of looking back how gracious God is. Let's keep his commandments. It's a way to bring some truths together. One more. Look at verse 12. Bible says marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. And he made the waters to stand as in heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with the light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as of out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down the rivers like rivers. What is it again? Same thing. Looking back. To understand how gracious God is. So that's what's happening when we see this learn a parable. And by the way, it's a parable, not a riddle, like the NIV and some of these modern versions. They'll just take liberty to change a word. <laughs> but it's, we're not to guess. It's a dark saying, and we're going to keep it as it is. Read it and believe it as it stands. And it's a bit obscure on purpose. It's a dark saying. It's a parable. Truth is there. You just got to peel back some layers, do a little bit of a deep dive, add some more thought, incline your ear, and God's going to help you. Go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Learn a parable. Let's do one more on that. Matthew 13, and let's read verse number 10. Matthew 13, verse number 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parable? So Jesus is going to explain why he even speaks in parables. They had this question. I've had this question. I'm sure you have. He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given, for whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not. And hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. There's a clear distinction that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 13. Watch what it says. Um, okay, verse number 11. Because it, because it is given unto you to know. Uh, but, look at the end of verse, but to them... It is not given. What's the distinction? There's the them, the disciples, and then there's the you. So there's two types of people in view here. Those that follow the Lord, the them, the disciples, and those that don't follow the Lord. And so this parable is used to now illustrate this contrast between those that follow and those that don't follow. Look at verse number 35, and then we'll... Tie in some thoughts with this. 
it says here in verse 34, rather, all these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable, spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. It's been a secret and a bit of this parabolic speech, if you would call it, is kind of secretive by intention. Because if you follow Jesus and you incline your ear and you lean in, he's going to give you understanding. And if you don't, you're not. The natural man receiveth not the things of God. Yes, we can read the Bible and understand what it says. It's pretty simple. But the spiritual things of the Bible, unless you've been born again, it's just going to go way over your head. People have you've heard these testimonies before. People get saved and all of a sudden they're like, wow, I never knew the Bible was so. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> you either. Until we got saved. And then it started, and then the lights came on. The lights came on. And we we see this principle of the parable. Um, well, this you verse them, first let's wrap that thought up. If you're a follower of the Lord, you are going to lean in and try to understand. If you're not, you're just going to try to mock and discredit God's word. We see that all over our nation. We don't have to look far to see politicians, social people, uh, financial people, business people, collegiate, you know, educational people all trying to mock and discredit God's word. They don't want to lean their ear in and get it. So there is that you versus them mentality. Um, But there is some intentional secrecy in, in this, and, and, and we see this in different walks of life. You know, if I said, if I said this, you want to make sure you posture up if you're in somebody's guard, and you want to try to pass the guard, get to side control. And after you get side control, you want to try to start looking for a submission. But before you look for a submission, make sure you maintain top control. Nobody in this church would know what in the world I'm talking about except Zach because he trains jujitsu. So he knows, oh, I know what that means. He's inclining his ear or someone that knows that and follows that inclined their ear. But everybody else is like, what in the world are you talking about? It's not of interest. It's not something you. It's all the time. If you're into dogs, there's dog language. There's dog talk. If you're into horses, there's horse talk. If you're into guns, there's gun talk. And if you don't know the language, you're just going to show up and you just, you don't know what they're talking about. And still you, until you lean in, what does that mean? Oh, I see. It's the same thing. It's the same thing that's going on with Jesus and his disciples and those that want to follow and don't want to follow. Let's go back to Matthew 24. He says, Jesus says, 
Now learn the parable of the fig tree, verse 32, when its branch is yet tender, tender and put it forth leaves, you know that summer is not. If you want to relate to somebody, and if you want to get them to know something that they don't know, you start with something that they do know. <laughs> well, you guys know fig trees. You guys know fig leaves budding. You know the end of the summer is coming. You can tie all that together. You know trees and leaves in summertime. And so that's where Jesus starts. And when we want to get somebody to relate or understand something, we start with what they know and bring them to understand something that they don't see or they don't know. But they knew they knew figs back in Genesis 3, and the eyes of them were uh, both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. In a way, everybody can relate to that. Know, yeah, boy, way back in the garden, we tried figs and, you know, the leaves and all that. Um, the Lord told Moses, you're going to search the land of Canaan. So Moses sends out spies. Is, is it good or is it bad? And, you know, the spies came back with the report. And what did they do? They brought back figs. Oh, I guess it's good. <laughs> so they, they have this understanding. Watch the fig trees. You'll know. Verse 32, the summer is nigh. So he uses that because that's what they know to tell them, don't look for fig trees. Don't look for leaves budding on fig trees. Don't look for the summertime. But because I know you know fig trees and fig leaves budding in summertime and you can connect the dots with that, here's what I want you to look for. All of these things that come to pass. And it's all the stuff that was listed. And that's the parable. All of these things in Matthew 24 that we had read and preached through up to this point. That's that has to come to pass. Now we're going to take a little bit of a break. From Israel's last days and go to the church's last days so we can draw this distinction again. So get second Timothy. I can't say this enough. And if you're listening online, I can't say this enough. The church is in Israel and Israel isn't the church and the nation uh, and, and the New Testament church doesn't inherit the promises that God gave to the nation of Israel. And I can't say it enough because there's enough junk and false teaching and information out there. That gets people confused. I want to try to cut through the chase, cut through the confusion. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. For this also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. This is the church's last days right here. Men shall be lovers of themselves, cups, boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and holy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, continent fears, despise them, the good traitors, petty, high-minded lovers, pleasure more than lovers of God, having formed godliness, denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. That's the church's last days. Now go down to verse 13. Look what it says. Go look at 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall have their best life now. 
No, sorry. Joel Osteen, you're just wrong. You got more money than us. You've got more influence than us. You've got a bigger church than us. You have whiter teeth than me. You have a more pleasant smile than me. You're happy. You're slappy. You're fun to be around. I'm a big mean man. And all the preachers that preach the Bible without apology. Yeah, they're big mean men and they just don't want to uplift people. But you're just wrong. All that you think you have going for you, you're deceiving people. And that is a false message. Every day isn't a Friday. Every Monday isn't Motivational Monday. Every Tuesday isn't Taco Tuesday. Every Wednesday isn't wonderful. We are going to have what verse 12 tells us we're going to have. If you live godly in Christ Jesus, you shall suffer persecution. Maybe that's why every day's a Friday for Joel and the rest of those fakers. Because they ain't living godly in Christ Jesus. Did you, have you heard this saying, toxic masculinity? Have you heard this? This is basically if a man acts like a man. <laughs> why is the society upset that a man is acting masculine? They want to demasculize men. That's what they want. And they want to masculize females. I don't want to come home to my wife who puts me in a headlock and body slams me. <laughs> I want her to be feminine and nice and soft. I don't want her to be hard and rough and punch me in the neck. <laughs> but this idea, I forgot where I was going now. I got to get back to my, to my thoughts. But this idea that, oh, I, I know where I was going. This, this term of toxic masculinity, you know what I think we have? The disease of toxic positivity. Because verse 12 clearly tells us, all that will live godly. Will you do that? Okay, well, here's the promise. If you live godly in Christ Jesus, you shall suffer persecution. It doesn't say look for it. It just says if that is indeed the way that you are going to live and I am going to live, we are going to suffer persecution. And all of these preachers that preach this toxic positivity message is absolutely wrong. I'm happy. People ask me how I'm doing. I'm saying I'm on my way to heaven. I'm saved. I've got eternal life. Do you know Jesus is your savior? Other people will say, what are you so happy about? There's so many things I know in your life that are going wrong. <laughs> I know I went through COVID-19 too. I know I run a small business too. I know. So yes, I'm happy in the Lord. But this toxic positivity message that just says, you know, you meet these people and it's almost like. It's almost like they're clowns. Everything is a big circus clown show. And God says, look, you're going to suffer persecution. There's going to be times. You're going to weep. You're going to be down. You're going to need to be uplifted. 
Why? Because you're living godly in Christ Jesus. Like I said, don't leave here tonight and look for it. It's just going to find you because you're living in the Lord. <laughs> okay? And then verse number 13, we're talking about the end times for the church, the last days for the church. It says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And the church's last days, another reason why they're different from Israel's last days is when you read worse and worse, it really doesn't give you closure. Like what's worse and then what's worse? Well, that's worse, but it's going to get worse. It's a bit open-ended. There's no closure to, oh, okay, this is as bad as it's going to get. You know, you, you talk to someone and they're going through, you know, you're going through some problems and things are creeping up. And you kind of want to say, well, that's as worse as it's going to get. But it may not be. It's going to keep getting worse. You know, we look at the news, we look at what's going on, or we hear a report of what a Christian's going through. And we almost want to say, well, don't worry, brother. Don't worry, sister. That's as worse as it's going to get. At least that would give the person closure. Right? But we don't get that tone in the last days of the church. All we get is it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. When's it going to end? I don't know. But I'm looking for that blessed hope. But it is a bit open-ended in that. And then even when it says deceived and being deceived, well, how much? There's no end point that we get specifically. But it's not so for the Jews. Which is important we draw out this distinction because when we look at Matthew 24 and we see verse 32, now learn a parable of the fig tree for when its branch yet tender and put forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. We get specifics. All of these things. What things? We already talked about that. Everything in Matthew 24 that has already been discussed, all of those things have to come to pass. Oh, okay. Well, when they start to line up, now I know, okay, there's going to be closure. It's a, maybe you think I'm, I'm splitting hairs, but I'm trying to draw up this distinction of closure versus no closure. It's eminent at any time. Nothing else prophetically needs to happen. It's just the timing of God. We could be caught up now. Tomorrow, that we don't know. But once God's timeline turns back to national things, now they are going to be given specifics. Okay, these things are going to come to pass. And this idea of the fig tree, you guys know that. Now, don't look for it. I'm taking what you know to tie it into something you don't know. Look for this. Look for these things. Those specific things. Okay, we're going to touch more about this next week. Um, the budding of the fig tree was not, in 1948, Israel becoming a nation. Did Israel become a nation? It did. Under what? Under God's prophetic timeline or under the United Nations? We can see God's hand of blessing. We can see God's hand of protection when these things 
we see happen around our world. But that was a political deal. That was an earthly deal. That was something that was done here on earth under the United Nations. But it wasn't the budding of the fig tree. In 1948, Matthew 24, verses 32 and 33 weren't fulfilled. Does that make sense? Um, in 1948, yes, it became a nation. But that nation didn't get life from God. Ezekiel 37 tells us there's no breath in that nation right now. But it also says, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. So God didn't breathe life into them in 1948. United Nations did something. Okay. Now, can we make some practical application? Sure. And see how God. Yeah. But we can't make prophetic. I would be careful to make prophetic application. I think that'll become more apparent next week when we talk about generations. We'll save that for next Thursday. But God says in Ezekiel 37, he'll put breath in you and you shall live. You shall know that I am the Lord. They didn't know he was the Lord in 48, but they are going to when he breathes life into them. So we really don't see Jesus speaking of the nation of Israel specifically becoming a nation in this chapter. Yes, the fig tree does represent Israel in the scriptures. It sure does. But fig trees and leaves in reference to it becoming a nation leaves a bit of a far of a stretch. The Jews are to look for what? All of these events. All of these things to come to pass in Matthew 24. Look at verse, look at verse 5. And I got a funny story for you. Verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Well, who hasn't read something or seen something where somebody said that? Well, you see, we're in the last days. No, we're not. <laughs> Now, things are waxing worse and worse. You can make that application. But all of this stuff in this chapter has to come to pass. I watched this documentary, which is what you do when your wife and kids are away for a week or two. <laughs> you got time. So, so I watched this documentary. They arrested a guy last year, September of 2020, who claimed to be Jesus Christ. Siberia, Russia. He was the Siberian Christ. And he thought he was Jesus. This is true. You think I'm making it up. This is true. His name was Viserion. <laughs> and Viserion decided that he wanted to be like God. Isaiah 14. He wanted to ascend. So the New Testament isn't enough for him. He came up with the church of the last testament, you know, the old, the new, and now the last. You think, well, that's insane. Oh, I know. But here's the insanity of it. He's got more people following him than we do. <laughs> and we've got the truth. People from Russia aren't coming here wanting to do a documentary on us. <laughs> but they sure are a lot of news anchors going down to Siberia, Russia, wanting to Meet the Siberian Jesus, false Christ. 
he arose. So he was arrested. He was extorting money. And he was arrested for the emotional abuse that he caused. His emotional and financial abuse that he caused his followers. Of course, he considers, you know, Mary, Jesus's earthly mother, to be his mother, too. So he's, he's a little he's a little far out there. Who's your mom? Well, she's the one that gave birth to Christ. Wacko. But he got people to follow. him. People are going to come and say, I am Christ. But what's happening here in Matthew 24, all those things have to come to pass. Verse 6, what does it say? Wars. You say are wars and rumors are wars. We're at war with radical left. Are we going to be at war with Putin and Russia and all this? I don't know. Maybe. But it's not the fulfillment of Matthew 24, verse 6. Because all of it has to come to pass. And it's going to come to pass after we are out. Look at verse 7. Um. Pestilences, famines and pestilences. Well, the Corona Rona hit. Oh, no, we're in past the pestilences. Like, I know the Rona hit. I know it's a pestilence. But all the things have to come to pass. So we need to be careful that we're looking for the right thing. We saw those things to look for when we read the church's last days. Uh, look at uh, verse number 10. And they shall be offended and shall betray one another. Our nation feels betrayed. We just look at our nation. Trust is at an all-time low. And we see it. It re Things really do trickle down from the top. We're Americans and our leaders. There's so much distrust. That you can almost feel the vibe when you. But it doesn't stop there. The churches. So-called churches. Preachers will stand for money. Preachers will stand for. Social influence around around town. And they'll either preach or not preach something based on that. They will. Connive and. Sweep things under the rug and they'll do all types of crooked things. And then wonder why nobody wants to come to church. Well, that's why. <laughs> because it trickles down. We can't get away from it. It trickles down from the top. Trust now becomes an issue. And anytime trust, trust goes low, you just lose, you lose people. Because trust is a key thing. Well, we can't betray each other. We need to be honest. We're going to say we believe the Bible and live the Bible. It doesn't mean we get, it doesn't mean we live our lives perfectly. Nobody does. But it does mean we all, myself included, strive to be okay with being corrected by the Lord. You know, you kids think about it. Dad was always correcting you. You got to do this. You got to tell the truth. You got to be honest. You know, don't steal bubble gum from the store and, you know, treat your sister nice and all that. But then you find out dad's stealing bubble gum and dad's being. Imagine what a child would feel like if mom always says, here's how you're supposed to live. Here's how you're supposed to dress. Here's the places you ought not go. 
and mom's doing all those things. Do you know how distrusting that child would be of mom and dad? Look, betrayal's a real thing. Betrayal happens now, but it's not. All of those things in 24 have to come to pass. So, when does the fig tree bud? After we are gone. That's when the fig tree buds. Are we watching for all of those things the same way we can relate to a fig tree? No. We are watching for the blessed hope. But when God turns back to deal with that nation, guess what they're watching for? Just like that nation, just like a Jew can understand figs and trees and summer and all that. Jesus took that parable and he said, now don't look at fig trees. I want you to watch all of these things come to pass. And that's the tie-in and the understanding of the parable of the fig tree. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.